Dum Dum Away! Zero zero one one zero 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 one zero zero one one zero one zero one zero one zero one Yep. Welcome to Screen Review Time Warp. I'm Tyson. I'm Andrew. And I'm Zach. And this is where we talk about the past, present, and future of all things TV and movies. How are we doing, boys? Chin up, old boy. Yeah, very good. Very, very good. Well, well, well. well. Very good, very good. That's good. It's particularly for the times here in uh, the old Western Australia. We've uh, opened opened up the gates, as they say. The floodgates. I feel like we finally experienced the pandemic for the first time in two years. 100%. We've been very But have we really... Well, I mean, <laughs> we haven't because we've all got vaccines and boosters and everything. Boosters so we've been, up to the been very lucky. Yeah, extremely. Um, yes. But yes. But yes, and now we're open and everyone, all the movies are being released now. Thank oh, goodness. goodness. So yeah. good. We've got Oscars coming up. Mm. Yes, delayed Oscars mm. might I add as well. Yes. Now, but they're still Actually, coming. tell me this. Mm. The Oscars ran last year, did they? Yes, they did. It was yeah. at a very limited capacity. Yes. Um, oh, jeez, there's a lot of controversy as well about this year's Oscars. Because aren't there movies from last year and this year in this Oscars? Or, or am I... Did I hear that wrong? No, yeah. it, all, it all comes down to release. Yeah. Um, I think, or they have elongated... So, it, the Oscars telecast is usually on... F- like kind of late Feb mm. it's now April 3rd if I'm yeah. not wrong oh, there might be the Grammys um, but it's like somewhere like in April yeah. um, it I got pushed back really because of Omicron into and awards like season so you're like bang yeah. bang 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 as opposed to one yeah. bit of a break then a couple mm. Mm. Um, but no it was because of the Omicron outbreak of Omicron like what it just got everyone scared in December and January so they, yeah. just, they just pushed, they just it, pushed it yeah, yeah okay but interesting yeah, there's been a lot of things dropped off Mm. The Oscars, which yeah. has caused a lot of controversy. Well, the telecast, right? Like, yeah. they're not showing any of the production credits during the telecast, which, which is, is... bull crap. Yes. Yeah, that's rubbish. Yeah. Because isn't... It wasn't, weren't we talking about this the other day, yeah. Andrew, and that, like, um, best score has been dropped? That's going to be in the... Pretty sure it's best score, score and, like, sound design. Even cinematography. Cinema- oh, cinematography! Wow. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Production design, costume rubbish. design, oh. like... Yeah, it's just that... Because, obviously, like, they're losing viewers because I don't think anyone really like in this day and age of social media like I can all just watch a replay of it for 11 minutes and see who won right so no one's actually going to tune into the Oscars like they did (sighs) 10 years ago but that's why I tuned in. But, but but it's also like, you know, you have to go on a bit of a tangent. It's like, without those production credits, that's the craft of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Literally, without any of that, you're not being transported to the scene and where the actors can do their work, you know? Yeah, of course. I, I was actually surprised to find out a couple of years ago when I was watching, they did a, a thing saying that they had a, another awards night that ran previously that was all the... And yeah, exactly. I was saying... Same thing. I was kind of like, mm. "What?" It was, mm. and I can't remember exactly, but it was all the even more production design kind of thing. So it was like yeah. to do with, um, it was all the technicality. So it's like best lighting and best. Oh. It was all that. It, so it's just like this whole other side Intriguing. of the Academy hmm. Awards that ex- that existed yeah. outside of the main awards as well. And so mm. they've already cut those things out, yeah. which is, I mean, we could have a whole debate about whether they should do that or not. But to cut yeah. out things, I'm sorry, like. Cinematography, that is... Yeah, like, I, I look, I don't think I'm mistaken there because I'm pretty sure, like... I, I'll I remember hearing a list on one of the podcasts I listened to and yeah. I was just like, what? Yeah. You're taking these key things out? Like, oh my goodness. Just crazy. Well, anyway, there's some interesting ones in there um, in terms of best pictures and best directors. What was the... There was... 
There's a couple of them that have been nominated for Best Picture but not nominated for Best Director. You, you'll get a kick out of this. So, Denis Villeneuve got yes, snubbed. Yes, that's it. That's I don't the one I'm actually of. understand how... That doesn't make sense to me at no. So, yeah, June's been nominated for Best Picture but, but not, not best, best Director. Yeah, so he's joined the infamous list, which is only, I think, about 12 people long. Maybe I've got that wrong. But I think but it's, it's a short list yeah. that's substantial to be like, you joking, right? Yeah. Just I remember. Oh, sorry. No, no. I just don't. And with that one as well, it's like, and everyone who got nominated for best director is extremely well deserving of it. Oh, but definitely. I feel like when you have Dune, who literally is leading the way, almost up yeah. there with the Power of the Dog, with ten yeah. Yeah. Oscar nominations, yeah. and it takes one man, the director, to actually rain happen and rain all of these visions and all the practicalities of that into yep. his. Fo- I just don't. Yep. You know, know yeah. what I'm saying? I know very little about practically how to make films, but that just. <laughs> And this you has know, been his like, little baby for like the last few years, hasn't it? Yeah. He was very yeah. passionate about this project. Yeah. Oh well, goodness. anyway, th- those were the the um, the Oscars that are coming up. We're, but yeah. we are, that's not actually what we're here to talk about today. No, it is not. We are here to talk about a movie that is very near and dear to all of our hearts, and that is... Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> Let's start sure. with that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, so we're looking at the 1987 picture, Good Morning, Vietnam. It's the same year I was born, so that has spun me for a loop. There you it go. It is 34 years old, that movie, my lord. So the <laughs> cast consists of Robin yeah. Williams and Forrest Whitaker, just to name a oh, few. wow. Forrest yeah, Forrest Whitaker is a very young and like very interested young cadet that follows Robin Williams round mm. and he's kind of like Robin Williams handler okay. throughout the whole movie which is uh, cute but a bit annoying at some points but yeah, yeah. Robert Williams is a um, like a radio DJ mm. and he was in the Greek islands for World War for the Vietnam War but then he got transferred to Vietnam to do the radio there and just give the reports and put music on and it kind of looks at like you know it's very mainstream we don't go above board we don't Mm. play any like uh, exciting music Mm. and Robin Williams being Robin Williams he comes in as his character and just flips the thing on a lid Mm. and he gets to know Vietnam very well he Mm. falls in love with a girl gets to know the brother it's Mm. it's a very cute movie and you get Mm. to see what it was like in 1965 in Vietnam in those times I think they did their research which mm-hmm. was uh, which mm. was good, and he brings a lot of emotion to it. Yes, there's the funny side mm-hmm. of him doing his radio DJ ness, Robin but, Williams. Of being Robin, Robin Williams. Williams, yeah. But then he obviously, you know, he's interested in this girl. He befriends the brother. The brother's like, you know, you, you got to leave my sister alone. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to. I want to get to know her. And he's like, that's fine if you want to get to know her. And then like the whole family rocks up to the date: grandma, grandkids, <laughs> everything. Yeah, awesome. But Amazing. then the brother is part of like some rebel cell that like bombs a place and he was there and the brother gets him out just in time and it's crazy how the story unfolds and he's like you know what are you doing he's like who cares about you what about me and my people in vietnam you invade and Mm. just like whoa this is crazy gosh so no it's it's a very very good movie and it looks at vietnam war from a different light if that makes sense yeah not opposed to the troopers on the ground doing obviously the despicable things that they did in those times yeah but looking at it from the vietnam people and their vietnamese vietnamese yeah you know what i mean and um how they dealt with it in mm. their culture and in their cities and everything as well with yeah, the troopers wow. walking around so mm, yeah if you've not seen it it's definitely a movie you should see even if just for the lols mm. of robin williams being <laughs> i can't believe you just said that. yeah 
I said it. Though, to yep, be fair, though, that kind of contrast, I think, is probably something that you really do need with a subject matter yeah. as heavy as the Vietnam War. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And particularly, you look at like a an American-funded film, which is yeah. looking at, you know, a different viewpoint, which probably doesn't align with their yeah. political ideologies yeah, and how they actually view, like, the, like you know, from yeah. what I understand, it's a very hush-hush thing, the yeah. Vietnam War in America, right? Yeah. So, like, one of the scenes is Robin Williams, before he starts his show, he has to go to all these, like, teleprompters that are spitting out the news, and he has to take them all to what they call the twins, and the twins circle what he can and cannot say. Yeah. So, like, there's some big pressing things that he sh- feels like he should be saying to the troops that are listening to the yeah. radio and they're like yeah. nope can't say that nope can't say that nope can't say that and he's like yeah, well. so what I just tell him about the weather mm. and that's it that's all he can tell him about and then you know it's part of like this bombing that happened in like a big city mm. and they're like no you can't talk about it he's like I was there I should yeah. be able to talk about it interesting like, no. so then he does it anyway and then he gets in trouble so. yeah interesting yes. I haven't actually seen this but um but yeah like it's 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 interesting the way you describe it, and obviously this is uh, made what some twenty something years after mm. the Vietnam War. Yeah, and I mean I obviously was not alive at the time, but from what I understand, it was it was an extremely controversial war even at the time. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. It's I think it's interesting when you kind of like look back on, hey, this thing was a mistake, but then to take it like they've done here into that granular level of like yeah. here is this guy's story and the sister's story and the brother's story and yeah. and how that all kind of relates and looking at you know the mm. the American troop side and then the the rebel yeah. or not rebel but you know what I mean but the the brother's side and saying yeah it's just yeah very interesting yeah very interesting. A, it is but one of Robin Williams probably better movies when it comes to dramatization but okay. still okay but still having that comedy aspect to it it's yeah, not like yeah, yeah. dead poet society or um oh, gosh goodwill hunting goodwill hunting and yeah. stuff where it's very serious with like maybe joke mm. type mm. thing obviously this is all jokes because he's doing the radio DJness. but then once he leaves that mm. booth yeah it's it's a normal world and he's a normal person with yeah. feelings and everything so, so yeah, yeah very very true yeah, yeah. That's um, good. Mm. I'm just reading here. It's it's obviously it's classed as a comedy, but it's also classed as a biography. Is it based off a real I, guy? I couldn't tell you, but it wouldn't surprise me if I it probably was. Just having a quick look through the the trivia stuff, I think it. Um, uh, so Robin Williams' character, Adrian Croner. Yeah. Yeah. He apparently. Um, yeah, it looks like he actually drafted the the script and first pitched as a TV series and, nice. and a movie, and then. Or like a TV movie and... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the story is loosely based on the experience of an AFRS radio DJ, Adrian Kroner. There you go. There we go. There you go. Got that. Didn't mm. know that. So yeah, that's Good Morning Vietnam, 1987. <sighs> Insane. Um, that's old. Zach. <laughs> what are you trying to say? No. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds and feels as old as I feel. <laughs> oh, jeez. So I'm going to take you back to about two weeks ago. I'm going to tell a bit of a story here. Two weeks was, ago. Please do. My, um, That's a jump. Look, my girlfriend had gone out, was hanging with some of her friends. I was by myself, and I, I knew I wanted to watch uh, a film. I wanted to watch a movie. Didn't know what movie I wanted to watch. I thought, I'll flick through Disney Plus and see what's on there. 
I look on Disney Plus and a particular film comes up that I know is quite popular Ooh, and is yeah. quite of the time. Bit of a cult classic. Extremely I wish so. you'd known that I'd love this movie and message me. Um, I would have pumped it up so much <laughs> for you. <laughs> and I know that is, you know, infamous for the fact that it is a bit of a cult classic, you know, and it's infamous for some other sequences as well. Um, <laughs> but at the, at the very core of it, it was directed by... Paul um, Verhoeven, if I believe I'm pronouncing his last name correct, who has directed stuff like, you know, Robocop. Um, the recently he did L, he did Black Book as well. Wow. So I do like his, you know, filmography. You've got Total Recall on there, Basic Instinct as well. The film I'm talking about is Starship Troopers. Oh, here we go. Classic. <laughs> now, I was not prepared at all <laughs> for this movie. <laughs> just for what it was. Like, here's me thinking it's just going to be maybe riffing on, you know, the kind of 1950s real propaganda era mm. kind of films that were coming out of Hollywood at that time where yeah. you had the cookie cutter, you know, American jock who goes, gets drafted by the army, you know, yeah. those, those kind of films like, you know, um, The Great Escape and whatnot, uh, where you had the, that, that real kind of just cookie cutter American yeah. hero, true patriot, true values, true America, you know? The great Escape, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just not prepared for the amount of just how much this kind of satirize that era through the use of like just really explicit fascist ideals imagery themes it was just insane it's crazy oh man i mean look that i'm sure you boys have a lot to say about it as well but i was before we get into it but i was just really fascinated it really grabbed me because i'm like I can understand now why this is such a cult classic. Here's mm. me thinking it was just, you know, shoot a couple of CGI bugs and it's gory and yeah. it's violent, but there was, a, there was a lot to it, you know? There's a lot more to it. Look, when I watched this movie, I was probably 10, 12, so I was wow. very young when I watched it. Mm. And it was literally like that for me. It was an action movie with CGI, guns. I completely glanced over all the, the other lower lying references that were through it but now watching it as an adult which i did a few weeks ago myself mm. i was like oh my gosh this movie's crazy with what it's referencing and what it's symbolizing yeah. it's absolutely mental it is <laughs> i haven't seen this movie in forever and to yeah. be honest i can't really remember much of it yeah. apart from the fact that it's just cr- like the overwhelming idea I get in my head is it's just stupid. Like, it's just... <laughs> well, look. <laughs> just, like, everything is, like, the sets are crazy, the bugs are crazy, the violence is crazy, and it's just, like... Am, am I remembering this right? Yeah. More or less. Literally, yeah, okay. like, it's two different planets, and us as humans are in a war with these bugs who keep sending meteors to our planet mm-hmm. to okay, destroy us, but... It doesn't really explain how the bugs send the meteors, but it came no, it, from it, the bugs. It does. The, the the bugs, they have these creatures that send the meteors. Oh, over. okay. <laughs> so, like, the premise is, like, humans um, in a fascist, militaristic future wage war with giant alien bugs. What's um, the what's the military? Uh, mobile s- infantry. That's right, <laughs> mobile infantry. So, um, on Earth, um, Earth is living out. As, as it is in the future, you know, mm. I think like 25th century or something crazy like that. And I don't know if you noticed, but all the main characters come from somewhere in Brazil now. So America's yes. gone down well, to Brazil. It, this is based off a book as oh, well. Book. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. But yes, Americans, yeah. it seems like they've kind of immigrated down there. Yeah. Um, South America, sorry. Not, yeah. not Brazil. Um, but in, so the, this book also has a lot of, I, it's actually quite a bit more serious mm. um, around these kind of right wing kind of fascist ideals. I was going to say, I've, I've just realized that it's mm. a book by Heinlein mm. who is um who's interesting because the 
the past that I'm bringing yep. is also a book by Heinlein. Yeah, right. So, oh, wow. And, yeah. Um, and he's he also did... Um, uh, he's like he's well known for example something called the bootstrap paradox he's quite a serious like a hard sci-fi he's considered mm, okay. hard sci-fi writer it's mm, his stuff mm. is excellent yeah absolutely excellent Where, sorry carry on yeah this obviously when um paul verhoeven was first approached from the film he didn't want to make it as serious as it was he actually thought about how what if we satirize what this film is really depicting and mm. kind of you know the the visual language of the film is like these as i said these 1950s kind of yeah. propaganda movies really yeah. riffing on that the american ideals and mm. the, like patriotism and whatnot so like one of the scenes is um you see them dissecting bugs correct and everything but then the yeah. next scene yeah. is in a classroom where they're talking about the more or less like the regime and what it's mm. like to be part of um, the military and the public. Yeah, civilian or citizen. Civilian or citizen yeah. and stuff like that. And like the teacher doesn't have an arm and he was a civilian. Uh, he was a civilian, but, was, he, but now he's got permanent, um, he's a permanent citizen. Yeah. So like the citizens part of like the military and they did their service. Mm. They did their time period in the mm. military and but like how they talk about it through obviously whatever book that they're reading from. Mm-hmm. It's like whoa this is like a warped idea of what they need to it's follow it's extremely yeah. roast into glasses it's and the main character which is Rico who we follow he's Rico. A, he's an all American you know he's the he's the high school quarterback he's a jock he's the most popular guy in school he's got you know the most beautiful girlfriend he's got yeah. in school and she's Super smart, great A's, you know, he's, you know, not yeah. the brightest chap, but uh, he's he's a bit more of an athletic specimen. I'm sorry, this is so much my childhood. I keep remembering little references throughout the whole movie. It's like, um, Zegama Beach. That's right. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> um, and the whole idea, as Andrew mentioned, is, you know, you can be a civilian, but, you know, if you go fight the war against the bogs, you become a citizen. Yeah. And we all want to be citizens, right? And it's like, yeah. Mom, I want to be a citizen. I don't want to be like you and be yeah. a civilian. I want to serve my country. I want to do what's yeah. right. Well, that's what the main character does, doesn't yeah. he, to mm, his parents? Correct, He's correct, like, I've correct. signed up. And they're like, well, you're going to go back and take that off because you're not signing up. And he's like, mm. well, I am. And he's like, well, then you're cut off and he walks out. Mm. You know? Mm. He meets his girlfriend at the the train station or shuttle station yeah, or whatever to go it is. Off. Yeah. And he's like, where? The girlfriend's like, where's your bag? And he's like, I'm left with everything that's on my back. Mm. You know? It's so like, cool. And what transpires yeah. is, yeah, for us. <laughs> Obviously, he signs up to mobile infantry because, again, he's a bit more of that athletic specimen. He didn't have high scores, did he? No, so yeah. he got like 36 in math, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah. and she got like 98. Yeah. And Neil Patrick Harris scuttled over and he was like, oh, I wonder what you got. And he displayed his result on the big screen. You know, like 99% or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so he goes off to fight in the mobile infantry, which yeah. is balls on the walls, just in the ground, in the trenches. Yeah, it's, and it's the military. The bugs yeah. burn. Um, or actually destroy um, his home. Yeah. They send an asteroid there, and he's about to leave because he, you know, shoots someone in a live fire exercise. In a live fire exercise. That's right. <laughs> Down at boot camp. <laughs> um, and he sees, you know, the, the bugs that go into war, so he goes on the ground with these guys, and it's mm. this really kind of zero to hero story where all yeah. of a sudden he's the this leading this battalion. He's got to destroy the bugs. And what gets me, so they land on the bugs planet, um, and they find out that the bugs are actually there's some type of way that they're actually sucking out humans' brains to yeah. learn about them, just like yeah. how Neil Patrick Harris, who is in this like the whole regime in the movie is literally one for one transpired with the Nazi yeah. regime. I'm talking like directly, like mm. they've just changed some some colours and some filters yeah. and like some images, but you can Gosh. tell. But like, like you look at like the the 
the psychics and correct, they're like the, correct. the military scientists and mm. they're the ones dissecting it all and figuring yep. out the bugs when they correct. rock yeah, okay. up when they find this particular brain bug is what they call it mm. like full Gestapo like head to jackets, black leather hats, wow. everything you're like Oh wow! And <laughs> seeing Neil Patrick Harris in yeah, that head to toe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so so they they find out that, you know, that there's this brain bug that they have to go yeah. get. Long story Some short, sort of smart bug. They, <laughs> they they get they capture this bug. They're pulling him out, and it is just this grotesque kind of creature. It literally um, looks like a big pulsating brain. It's disgusting, thing. right? Yeah. Um, and Neil Patrick Harris comes over, he's landed, and there's a whole crowd of just troops waiting to see, because he's psychic, what the bug feels. Yeah, he puts his hand on it, doesn't Puts he? his hand, and everyone's like, what, what, what does it feel? What does it feel? And Neil Patrick Harris says, it's afraid. <laughs> and then everyone just rejoices. Yeah, the music <laughs> swells, the symbols go... It's just like that. I was like, so wow. But you, like the deep, like the yeah. deeper meaning of that, right? Yeah, like of the, course. The war, like they don't want to, they don't want to to kill this bug. They don't want to like actually understand what it's doing. They want it to be afraid. They yeah. want to furtherly like put their heel down further on their neck. You know? Yeah, it was, of course. Oh man, it was not at all what I was expecting from a movie which has a infamous shower scene you know what I'm yeah, saying yeah. like I just I just did not even very infamous I just didn't <laughs> expect it at all so when I when it all was said and done and they, constantly throughout the movie as well you yeah. have these kind of um, here's what you need to do to sign up almost these yeah. infomercials that come yeah. through the movie yeah. that kind of act as like a channel like it's a, a channel 10 news kind of like snippet yeah. like today here's yeah. the news for today yeah. and it goes through this is where we're at with the war we've just you know de- we we're able to dissect a bug so we can make these yeah. weapons you've got to aim for the stem or whatever yeah of course like even like the the, the generals of the mobile infantry getting mm. up in front of like this grandstand of juries mm. like literally like looking at like Hitler addressing mm. the crowd it's, it's, like it's all propaganda, right? Yeah, of and it, it, it opens with that movie, it closes with in the movie, and it's also flashing in between. It's just, yeah. Oh man, it was so interesting. And well, that's, you take what you know now yeah. about the Nazis and yeah. the footage that you've seen growing up, which they would have known at the time as well. Of Again, it, 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 and it's all played tongue in cheek. It's a satire, yeah. Not only of those kind of political ideals, but it's also even to an extent the American movies of those fifties, yeah. right? Because yeah. they played so heavily on those tropes, right? And yeah. the result of the war and how we view kind of heroes and villains, right? Yeah. The people needed a particular figure and characters to latch to. So it really yeah. just, it plays on it so expertly. It's, it's Look, it's a weird movie because on one hand, it's such a good popcorn movie. Like you can sit there and Which enjoy it. It is. It yeah, is. you can sit there and enjoy it. It's action. It's blowing up bugs. You know, it's the milit- It's It's cool. But then on the other hand, you're like, Oh no, the the underlining tones are really bad. Mm. <laughs> like you should mm. not be watching this. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. I've just been flicking through the images of like the photo gallery. And I'm just yeah. like, oh this no, movie looks stupid. <laughs> 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 like you're right. It's just so much of just like like the scene where a guy gets just decapitated, and there's just like so body bits of bodies everywhere, and just yeah. like what the the only good heck bug is, is a good? dead bug. That's yeah, right. just. <laughs> 
My goodness. Man, and they made the, a two and three out of that as well. They did. Look, I will not be watching those two and three because they were directed. No, there's no need. They're director video and yeah. that, that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, yeah, we all know yeah. how successful those are. Correct, correct. Yeah. But one, no, one and done. <laughs> I, I I loved it. I think it's such a, even like the last thing as well, it's such a temple of just 90s movies and how yeah. they're shot. Yes. Yeah. Like the, well, that's, obviously it was the 90s when I watched it. It was. Me and my, correct. Me and my friends, the two kids I grew up with, we were just like, we love this movie. Let's watch it again. Like, mm. Watch it again. Watch it again. Watch it again. And obviously, as kids, we weren't taking in yeah. those images. But now, as adults, you're like, oh. But <laughs> even the um, just the, the practicality of everything. Yeah, is I feel like something that and I really enjoy watching movies just from like the seventies, eighties, and nineties because there's just a a sense of realness to them, which. Mm movies now have as well but even like the film stock that they use the way it's shot everything yeah. is almost everything is completely in focus in the frame yep. there's no like the depth of like there's almost no depth of field at all right like you can make out almost everything it's just yeah well like even where they shot a lot of the action scenes and mm. stuff obviously in the desert in California with the mm. rock faces and everything like that it was mm. so otherworldly that you were yeah. you were transported yeah, to like these other worlds, and you can tell that it's this, the alien CGI is a CGI, but like the environment around it was just so it aged well. Yeah, the CGI oh, but it wasn't too bad. Like, just it's so, and we'll talk about this with, with the movie that we're doing for the present. But everything about it is just clean. Yeah, it is squeaky clean, which is yeah. so many movies. I feel like from that era of cinema, I just I think this movie and probably Jurassic Park, mm. maybe a maybe a handful of others. Mm. You cannot fault the CGI. Like even watching them now, you're like, oh yeah, can, mm. yeah, okay, I'll get away with that. And then there's other ones you look at and you're like, oh wow, mm, Scorpion King, yeah, <laughs> oh wow, yeah, Mummy Two. Yeah. I just yeah, that was bad. <laughs> I just need to point out that there is actually more than three Starship Troopers. There there's, are five. There's about four or five. I think the and last the fifth one. one came out in 2017. Wow. <laughs> they the four and five are both CGI, but same voice cast like. Casper Van Dien is still voicing Johnny Rico. Johnny Rico's still around. Yep. Johnny, Johnny Rico. Rico. There you go. They How don't have um. Who was it? Denise Richards as Carmen Ibanez, though. She came back. But some of the others are still sticking. Around. I'm just looking at the pictures and everything. Yeah, some of them are still same voices. Yeah. Look, I don't think she came. She came back. Well, um, she she hit it big with James Bond. And yeah, that's it. What's her name? Christmas Jones. Far out. What a. <laughs> Anyway. Sorry. Yes, that is Starship Troopers. Awesome. I'd give it a watch. It's, it's very like... Um, Just have a, it's good, very, have a uh, good time with it. Um, I don't mean this in the Tarantino sense, but it's very mm. pop fiction sci-fi. Oh, it, oh extremely It's just like, poppy. how can we just yeah. pump out oh, some... Which is its charm, Like John right? Carter of Mars kind oh, of 110%. Style. I love John Carter of Mars. I don't yeah. care what everyone's... I love that movie. Mm. I haven't seen it, um, but I did at some point get all of the books. Just... <laughs> You sure went, you didn't see it? I swear nah, I saw it I, with you at the movies. Nah. No? Nah? No. Nah. I nah? started it at some point somewhere, but <laughs> I've never actually seen it all. Um, anyway. Yeah. That's me. So that's awesome. Starship Troopers. Um, I am also bringing a movie based on a Robert Heinlein book. Um, this is a movie that came out in 2014. I saw the trailer for it when it... Pro- probably about 2014, to be honest. Mm. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, this looks great. I'd really like to see it. Mm. Couldn't get my hands on it. Mm. Um, possibly missed it. Don't know. I never saw it come out in the movies, at least. Um, it's recently come onto Netflix, and this is Predestination. It's Ooh. an Australian-made film, mm. um, and it stars Ethan Hawke and an excellent performance by Sarah Snook. 
as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's it. So I knew Robert Heinlein from something called the Bootstrap Paradox, which is the idea of um, an event causes. So an event from the future that travels to the past causes something to happen, which triggers that own event. In other words, like what initially caused it. Nothing, it causes itself. And this movie kind of plays on similar themes it's without fa- giving too much... Have you guys seen it? No, it's a fairly old movie, though. I'm just looking at it now. It's yeah, 2014. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I have seen it, but yep. I don't think we should spoil it for... Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, um, yeah. Or anyone listening as well. But it's... Look, I would... I highly recommend it. It's not too long. Like, it's only an hour and 37 minutes. Yeah. I was actually really surprised. So, th- so if you look at the trailer, mm. it touts itself as this um, basically this kind of like time travel agency Mm. and you know there's this girl who and it's at least how I perceived it in the um, trailer she's essentially interviewing to become one of these time travel agents Um, Hmm. but I was surprised because probably the first half of Mm. the movie is all dialogue driven all dialogue driven it's Ethan Hawke Ethan Hawke's character as the barkeep talking to Sarah Snook's character as the unmarried mother and just how it just it's her telling her story and I remember I watched it with my wife and I remember turning to her and going this is not the vehicle that I expected this movie to take yeah. in order yeah. to tell the story yeah 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 um, it makes sense given that it's based on a book and you yeah. can what, actually a book is a, a stretch you can find it online because it's out of um, copyright and you can read it in like 10 minutes yeah, tops. Yeah, right. And so it it's is, like a short story. It's kind of like a short, short story. Yeah. yeah. Um, I read it afterwards and yeah, I think yep. it took maybe 10, 15 minutes yeah, and yeah, it yeah. is surprising how well they, like how much they stick to the, the story. Mm. Like in, in terms of dialogue and plot and everything, mm. they do add a little bit extra in. Yeah. He, um, Ethan Hawke is, is chasing this time travel villain, I guess you could say, called yeah, the Fizzle yeah, yeah. Bomber. Yep, yep. Um, which is an an added plot point, but the the crux of it is all the same, and mm. they just expand on it. And as, in terms of like, so as the unmarried mother's telling her story, mm. they just show those scenes. But my goodness, I was really impressed by it. Mm. Um, I was also really impressed at how well they made it look. In terms of like, I don't know. Sometimes I think you can get time travel stuff, and it'll it maybe looks a bit you know, wonky or, yeah. you know, how can you explain this and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Mm. But this isn't, this doesn't really deal too much with the how and it just, um, I don't know, it just, it makes it look very believable and it, and obviously the bigger themes is like, how yeah. does this, how does this story get told? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also thought it was very interesting because Sarah Snook's character is actually introduced as a male character mm. at the start of the movie. Yeah. And then it's it's revealed that she was actually born a woman, mm-hmm. and then um, at one point she basically discovers that she's intersex and mm. has this, and without her knowledge, had an operation. Mm. So, and I, I won't go into the whole thing, but yeah, yeah, it's it's very very interesting, and I kind of got a bit of an idea of what the outcome would be about maybe about halfway through or two-thirds of the way through. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't ruin it. Okay, that's like, good. E- even though I was like, I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen here, it was still very satisfying to see it. And then 
the expansion that they do that's not in the the story mm. is mm, it's mm. oh it's <laughs> you like it yeah like it's you kind of so you think it's all kind of being resolved and the Ethan Hawke's character has this you know conclusion and then he does a little bit more and you just kind of go ooh so oh hang on well does that mean and you just got all these questions and it's just <laughs> Mm, it's so it really opens, good. Opens it up a little bit towards the end. Not, like, not with necessarily more questions about the universe and everything that's going on. Not necessarily about the universe, but more just about his character and the the motivations and the thought processes. Okay. And it's not something that's kind of like, oh, now I'm going to go back and watch it and see if I can pick it up. It's not yeah. that kind of thing. But it does just really make you think and go. Well, it just makes you kind of think of these like time travel paradox kind of things and like you know, does like is someone. I guess one of the things you could kind of think of is, is someone destined to become this way or do yeah. that or can they make their own choices or, and then again, very classic Heinlein from my very limited experience, but that idea of like what causes these events to occur and if these events cause themselves to occur, are they always going to act out the same way? Yeah. And just, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's good. It's shot really well. Yeah. Mm. Like it's not, I'm not saying it's like, you know, it's, it's not June, <laughs> but it is, but just the the way that it's shot and the yeah. and the cinematography, it's just from, yeah. From the few stills that I went through on IMDb, I did yeah. like the the way they've captured some of the scenes by the looks of it. Yeah. So like just capturing it in the frame, the lighting, it yeah, looks very quite, very picturesque. Yeah, very picturesque. Yeah. One shot that's happening, so it looks good. I like it. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, it was Australian made. I'm trying mm. to find here. Australian um, cinema. It, it's, it's, by, a, it's by the Spieg brothers. Um, so it's by Michael's. Um, oh no, Spieg. Um, Spieg. Spieg. Yeah. Maybe Michael and Peter Spieg. So I have five million budget. Yeah. Wow. Extreme. Yeah. So like almost honestly, like an, an indie film in terms mm. of what it yeah. has. Um, they did a film before this called um, Daybreakers, which I really enjoyed. I love as Daybreakers. Well. So the the one where Van pretty much. Vampires yeah. are the are the rainy. William Defoe for that. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for this one. Yeah, direct. So it's it, this one's on Netflix, that's, and it's quite enjoyable. Ethan Hawke's in it as well. As that's well. that's um, vampires are the new normal, isn't it? Vampires are the are the vampires, majority in the yeah. in yeah, the race. That's right. Yeah. So the whole world lives at night, um, where yeah. humans are actually the are the minority. Um, and the whole premise of that film is that um, since they've killed off so many humans, um, to get genuine human blood which what vampires need Leave, live off yeah live it's, off it's um, hard it's hard so they're all having synthetic stuff but this synthetic stuff is all from cows and animals and it's not it actually it, it weakens all of them so yeah. they're, they're at a point now where vampires are actually about to die out um, and Ethan Hawke is one of the leading scientists in a corporation that's figuring out how yeah. they can mimic human blood was he a scientist or a detective nah scientist scientist he's a scientist yeah 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 Um, Yeah, sorry sorry. but yeah no so long story short love that film highly inventive also extremely small budget but very um rememberable in terms of how Mm. it looks in its aesthetic its production design and uh, that film how it's colour graded Mm. where it's quite cold and it's very blue but still how did they get William Dafoe for that movie oh how Yeah, who knows? Who yeah. knows? Um, but no, predestination is very much the same. We're extremely small budget. Yeah. Um, very intimate. Like mm. it's not. There's not a lot of. They're not going to a lot of different mm. kind of um, exteriors more, or places. Yeah. It's very small scale. So dialogue driven, more or less. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. 
Um, but no, loved it all the same, and like has its quirks and whatnot. But yeah. it's it's just it's original to a, I guess an adaptation more or yeah. less. But yeah, it's you know original kind of indie kind of storytelling, which I, I really appreciate and really enjoy. Yeah, mm. it's it's really, and I'm actually glad that it's been picked up by Netflix because I think it it gives it that opportunity to Get have a wider there. audience. Yeah. Because as I said, mm. like I mean, I wanted to see it when it came out couldn't find it anywhere and yeah. was at the point where I was like maybe I'm just going to download this um, you but, know eight yeah. years later but, <laughs> but yeah like I'm, I'm really glad that I got to see it and I sat yeah really glad I sat and watched it highly recommend it mm. good, um, mm. so yeah that was Predestination 2014 mm, alright on to the main event <gasps> the movie that uh, almost landed in production hell it feels like for a while yeah. it did for a long while but uh, The Batman <gasps> Written and directed by Matt Reeves, starring um, scene kid from a My Chemical Romance movie, <laughs> Robert Pattinson. <laughs> For those of you that are unaware, Matt Reeves um, uh, di- wrote and directed the third Planet of the Apes. War second, of the second and, and third. third. Did he write the second one? He did. I know he directed it. He did. He did. Because I know he's known for the last two. The first one. Yeah. No, he didn't write the second one. He didn't. No, oh, he, so I he. I that's because I remember looking this up. Yeah, he. I really thought he did. Directed the second one, wrote and directed the third one. Gotcha. Yeah, he's also done. Um, Let me in. So a remake of the Swedish kind of um, vampire horror movie, Let the Right One In, and he did Cloverfield as well. And he I love Cloverfield. Yeah. Um, co-created Felicity with J.J. Abrams. There you go. Nice. Um, but yes, the Batman starring Robin Pattinson, um, Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright, Colin Farrell, Paul Dano. John Turturro, like Andy Serkis, Peter Sarsgaard, like there's so it's a star-studded cast. Mm. Um, it's obviously the I remember hearing a statistic. This is something like the tenth person to play Batman, mm. something like that, yeah. In some drastically high number of movies. Yeah. Mm. First of all, I mean, before we get down into that, should we start as we do? Give it a rating yeah. out of ten. You can't use seven. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'll start us off. Mm. I'm. I'm thinking I'm going to give this a 9. I Ooh, was okay. really impressed with this. Very good. Andrew? 10. 10. 10. Zach? You can't you can't use a point number. Got to give us a whole number. He's bringing his uh, Danny DeVito. No. Rob De Niro <laughs> to the to the table. Yeah. He's giving his I I think this is a 10 for myself. Yes. Well. <laughs> yeah. I um man oh I don't even know where to start like oh. this to be, to be honest I can't I can't really give a reason why I'm not giving it a 10. I'm just... No. Just like, give it a 10 then. <laughs> so, like, it... Oh, just everything. So, like, this is the well, Batman movie I have always wanted. Yes. Can, can I yes. start? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I just want to start here and just kind of continue on that thought. Yes. Yeah, sure. Although okay, this yeah. is the 10th person to play Batman in, mm, however, mm, the, the mm. umpteenth film, I was, in, I was amazed at the fact that it still felt like a new mm. Batman movie. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And that's where I think it's just it like it's a great place to start. It just yeah. it, even though you know we are seeing Batman in his second year, he's new, he's raw. It's it doesn't feel like a Batman movie we've seen. Nah. So nah. even though we've got same characters, same city, mm-hmm. same ingredients, they've mm. mixed them together in a new way, which mm. feels mm. feels different. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, and like the my two point is someone's to ask me what do you compare this to mm. this. Batman movie, what are some points of reference for me? The two movies I would probably suggest is this movie is one part kind of 90 serial killer seven. And yes, it's other, and the other part is the 70 detective noir of like Chinatown. Yes. 
Those are the two points of references that is, it's it's very wholeheartedly clear. back you on everything you've yeah, just said. Very clearly is the case. I mean, Matt Reeves have even stated so himself. But mm. like, man, the first first off, this is it's not even a superhero movie, right? No. Like to no, me, it's not. Is, it oh, is, yeah. Go. And it's just it's like how you know the Dark Knight is so iconic and phenomenal. Is that it wasn't this, you know superhero movie it was a visceral kind of almost like a, a neo-noir kind of almost in the vein of a Michael Mann's heat kind of event kind yeah. of action spectacle mm. cop drama right cop where drama, this is yeah. just a full-blown s- detective novel oh, and it's, it's it's a noir film it's such a love letter mm. to the noir movies of the 70s where yeah. you know the the whole movie is using anamorphic lenses like mm. the the actual what you see on screen it's co- it's constantly you're being drawn to what's out of focus more yeah. than what's in in focus yeah like yeah. This, the, the 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 lens is so dirty when you go through rain when it's maybe being affected by fire yeah it, the the neon lights from all the signs yeah the production design you really feel like Gotham City is just there's like this layer of soot yeah that yes. is <laughs> over everything it looks like a despair it looks, place. it looks grimy it looks as anything. Disgusting. This movie depicts Gotham in a way that it should always be depicted, which is like Times Square back in the seventies on steroids. Yes, like <laughs> yeah, gross, disgusting, covered in advertisement mm. and, like you said, soot and grime, and literally you feel like you have to physically push your way through the filth. Just but, to live your life. And then you've got the old kind of decaying part of Gotham where you have this kind of real gothic kind of um, old kind of yeah. 1800s architecture. Yeah. Which is yeah. just like... Look at Wayne Manor remnant. alone. Yeah, or Wayne Tower. Yeah, right? Wayne Tower. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I just... I, I've really tried to figure out what, you know, how do I feel about this film? And just honestly, I can't... I actually can't fault it. I, I can't. Um which, you know, uh, I'm already thinking of, because I saw this with my girlfriend, and then I saw it again afterwards. I've seen it twice. Yeah, I've seen it twice um, as well. And, you know, like it is, there's no doubt the film is about, you know, two hours and 55 minutes. Yes. However, I really do think, just like with No Time to Die, it, it really does earn all of that time. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, does uses it well, which my girlfriend doesn't think, but that is completely fine. I'll prepare myself <laughs> for that conversation okay, later. We, we don't need to involve her in this <laughs> conversation. <laughs> but um, I just, yeah, just, and then even just Robert Pattinson, you know, let's. I mean, let's let's just let's let's, let's just let's, let's call a spade a spade. We were all skeptical. Let's let's start. Oh, we'll, was, we'll, let's yeah. <laughs> let's start with let's start with him as Batman, right? Like, because we're gonna like we'll spend a decent amount of time talking about this because I, I have mm. so many things like just to say, <laughs> like Robert Pattinson. I mean, Tyson, you start. I, well, I was as have you said, I was super skeptical. Mm. I was just like, I don't think he's gonna do it. Blah blah. blah. He is. I'm going to eat my words. He is. I think one of the best Batmans. Mm ever yeah he is there are some times where it looks like that it looks like he is on the screen uh, yeah. sorry duh, he's on the screen it looks <laughs> like he is the comic book on the screen yeah yes yeah, he yeah. like just that jawline mm, <laughs> you could cut cheese on that jawline definition um, <laughs> he is and the just the way that he composes himself and, like, I'm thinking, like, the scene where it's, like, you know, Bruce Wayne's my next target. And you can see his eyes are, like, freaking out. Mm. But he's got to, like, just sit there and be all all stoic. Mm. I think he is, as I said, one of the best Batmans. He mm. fit that suit so much better than I thought he would. Yeah. Him as Bruce Wayne, mm. less so. Less so. Agreed. 
So I'm, I'm not as sold yeah. on him as Bruce Wayne. Mm. But in his not that, sorry, not that he's bad. Yeah. Not he's bad. But I just think like him him as Batman is just like superb. Him as Bruce Wayne is mm. good. In mm. his cinematic defense, it's yep. only year two. He's literally a man of vengeance. Nothing else. Yep. But then by the end of the film, he has that line of like, I am more than just this. Yeah. Like I mm. found my true purpose. So then he will become the Bruce Wayne that we know, which is a philanthropist and a playboy yeah. and mm. trying to hide his secret identity, but he's still a businessman at the end of the day. Well, yeah. And that's slick hair. That's the thing, right? Yeah. And I feel like this movie is even somehow even more so grounded than Nolan's take on the character. Yeah. But like, it literally goes, okay, so what if you were you know, born into a billionaire family, right? And you lost your parents when you were nine years old. How would you react? You Mm. would stay in your castle all day in Wayne Tower where you live, Mm. tearing by everyone else, and you wouldn't know how to act socially with people after this traumatic event that has just been partaken. And the fact that he's very, as Andrew said, he's so singular in his goal. Mm. To him, that Bruce Wayne, Mm. of him being Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he's like, that, that, that is not important. It, it, it gives no... There's no yeah. justification as to why he has to do that. Yeah. Only when he does step out as Bruce Wayne to go to a funeral mm. in the movie... He's still Batman. The reason he goes yeah. when talking to Alfred is he says, you know, serial killers love to, you know, re- come and reflect on their work, who they've yeah. killed, so it might be good for me to be there to seek out information, right? Yeah. Like, mm. it's... It was really... And I think it's very purposeful the way that Matt Reeves and mm. Pattinson have, have gone out to betray this Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I do yeah. agree there wasn't a lot of that that philanthropy playboy that we're used to, but at the same time, he's just not there mentally. Like you yeah. can still you well, can yeah. see he's just still so traumatized from that event, and he just he doesn't know how to act. No, right. One of the best things in this movie, which Tyson and I went and saw it together, and I leaned yeah. over and I was like, "This is so from the comic books because there's an internal monologue happening mm. the whole oh, way through this gosh. movie, oh, it's, which it's bookended, which bookended, yeah, yeah. but which." As an audience, I've heard this on a podcast before, is like, no one actually knows Bruce Wayne and Batman than you, the comic book reader. Mm, No one else knows it because you get that insight into his mind Mm, and his feelings. mm. And that's what you get from this movie. And he's talking about Gotham. And and then, especially once he comes back from one of his second missions that you see on the screen, and you can see him writing it in the journal and he closes it, it just says year two. Gotham Project. Yeah, you know, it's like... Wow, he's green. Like, Man. wow, th- there's nothing else in his mind but this. Like, he's it's probably taken him yeah. 18 months just to get to this point, probably wearing the suit. Yeah. And you look, know? that opening, oh, oh yeah. my gosh. They give you no time at all to prepare for Batman. It's like, oh, no, you're getting Batman right up. But like, even <laughs> like, so we at the start of the film, I guess we'll just go right see by scene, we get introduced to Paul Dano's Riddler mm. as yeah. he... You know, we see it's very voyeur esque the start of the film, right? Which is just an extreme callback to just these detective movies, yeah. right? It's foggy. You know, you can't see quite clearly through. You're kind of like, what the? Who are we? Who's actually watching mm. this family do what they do? Because you right? just yeah. don't, and you can hear this breathing. You're like, this is gross. Yeah. Like, what? And what is this? The when it then cuts to at night, we're at the mayor's house. He's you know watching this kind of news recap of his recent debate with the yeah. other mayor. Um, and he's in the center of the frame and he walks away to go get the phone 
and obviously the Riddler is right behind him, mm. and you see the TV mm. illuminate like, his eyes. I was, I was like, this is. But that's it. He, so oh. he, he steps out, then it illuminates his whole silhouette. And yeah, you can see he's just frozen there, but he's like following the mayor with his eyes and nothing else. You're like, but it's it's just such hell? out of the comics, right? Yeah. Like the eyes being illuminated, and obviously once after the Riddler just is. He's just so disturbing. Like, he screams, doesn't he? And so like disturbing in this movie. Like, yeah. so unnerving. Um, after that, we then get this prolonged sequence where, you know, we get Thursday, mm. October 31st, yeah. the internal monologue. And yeah. the whole start of this film is about... And talking what, about the fear that he's already injected into the city oh, for criminals. And like, we follow... see the light and oh, like, just in the shadows, he's oh, like, people think I'm there yes. all the time. It's like, <gasps> and we have yes. three different... Three different types of criminals. One's robbing a bank. One's defacing kind of property, like property and then the yeah. others are trying to beat up this um, just civilian yeah. on the train just to get some views on TikTok or whatever. Yeah, we don't know which one Batman's going to pop out of. Yeah. So the whole time, and Michael Giacchino's score is just slowly, yeah. slowly elevating. And there's these shots of when you look to the darkness, and you're just waiting for him to step and, out, and it just hangs there. Mm. It hangs while the dolly's yeah. in. And nothing comes out, and that the, and the crooks they get scared. The fear of the criminals, like oh. any second he's going to step out oh. the Batman, <laughs> Just which again is brilliant. such it's such a comic book, yeah, a Batman comic book thing. And but this we is, finally had a Batman that's not taking care of like some big crime with like bombs and mob yeah. bosses. But it's literally like a low level thing, like a dude robbing a convenience store, defacing property, beating up a general dude on the train line. And there's Batman. Yeah. And yeah, it's it feels like overwhelmingly what I'm hearing from a lot of um, commentary mm. on this is that it mm. it feels the most like a, a Batman comic, mm. most notably the Detective Comics, yes. which is for those who aren't aware what DC stands for. for Detective Detective Comics. Comics. Um, but yeah, it's and we do get this noir movie where it's all about the clues and it's all about him trying to work it out and mm. trying to make sure that he's staying on top of things and and everything and. I think part of this year too, part of it is that he's not quite on top of it all. Like yeah. there are mm. still some mistakes that get made and things like that. Mm. Um, well, there's lots of mistakes. He gets hit a few times. He gets yeah. punched. He gets hit in the back of the head. You know, he's, he's still messing up in quite a lot of places, but yeah. you let him off because it's year two. Yeah. You know, mm. it's, oh, it's mm. oh, so good. And but yeah, like uh, just the way that the, pr- yeah, again, we've already touched on the production design, but as it even, to get back to the noirish feel, it's very intimate. This film mm. as well, like I can only think of maybe you know kind of maybe six, seven kind of different interiors mm. and exteriors in the film, right? Yeah. Like mm. it's very, very singular. It's very purposeful. It really is about this pulling the thread of corruption in Gotham mm. City, mm. and it's going down that rabbit hole and seeing how far back that all yeah. reaches as yeah. well. Um, and I'm getting introduced to the key players in that correct corruption. Yeah, I mean we yeah. get introduced to the Penguin. Kind of also at stuff. the iceberg yep. lounge, oh. all things straight from the yes. comic books. Yeah, oh. and I love the idea that the iceberg lounge is this club, which is just by the water. So yeah. it's in. It looks it's like, in like just a, a fish market, a fish market yeah. warehouse. Um, and I, man, Colin Farrell was just yeah. uh, he was unrecognizable. Oh man, yeah. and like, look, his accent isn't the original accent from the video games and the TV series and everything like that, but. The yeah, New no, Yorker accent. Cobblepot's supposed to be very, like, Edwardian British. British. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like British, but I will take that New Yorker... Sopranos. Sopranos accent. Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, Like Queens and Long Island type 
Yeah. Accent is so good. Yeah. Like, Whoa, take, take it, it easy, easy. sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what murder. Like, you know. <laughs> I'm just touching back on what we were talking about before with, like, the cinematography, like, all mm. the whole scenes of, you know, his eyes following the mare and everything like that. Um, and even just the, like, uh, the thing that I'm picturing, like, a lot is, like, you know, the shots of penguin driving away you mm. know what i'm talking about in the car yeah and all those car shots and oh, then he's like oh. i got you i got you <laughs> i got and you that, <laughs> the, yeah. you've seen it in the trailer it's the big money shot in the trailer the the batmobile just like flying out, out yeah and just landing and just like completely running into the back of him yeah and then seeing it upside down yeah and that whole view like and the just, best is the batman like leading in like yeah hello <laughs> yeah and it's just yeah just so much of it does really feel like I know I've said this already, it just mm. really feels like a comic book, and I think it does. They've done their mm. homework of going, and I I don't know if they if they did this as like a brand like a product differentiation, going we're going to be the detective style one, but yeah. like someone described that the Nolan trilogy is is all the big big um big criminals like you're saying Zach, but it's also very gadget based as yeah. well. It's like look at all these toys that I have, which was great. Like don't yeah. get me wrong, oh, first we time still the, iconic the, iconic. Every time we did it, wing, we're like. <gasps> When the Batwing came out in oh, number yeah. three, you're just like, oh my goodness. But yeah. this is, this one feels more, as I said, just like it's him working it out and he's got a couple of toys. Mm. But other things to do with cinematography is, and again, we're touching on this, we've touched on this already, sorry, is just that noir and just the use of black. Mm. Like I'm talking about, you know, those scenes where he's like, like where he comes, the elevator scene where he pops up in yeah. um, Falcone's and the, yeah. the power cuts and they're all shooting him and it's just yeah. like bang, bang, bang and just all the light and dark and just mm. playing off and it just it's it's shot so well well like and even what I touched on before about how it really it what's more interesting and what it tries to get you to focus on in the frame is what's not in focus yes. so like I think and that's such a staple of noir films of the yeah. 70s is just that the way that they've used the anamorphic lens to kind of really obscure things yeah. and to keep things it like I, th- I think of when the Riddler is in the car mm. um, and he kind of knocks out Peter Skarsgård's um, district attorney um, and he puts the bomb on his neck and yeah. that whole sequence is all it's focused on is the steering wheel. The steering wheel, but the main thing that catches your attention is the lights. Correct. Yes. Correct. And it's even when they pull out to that far shot yeah. and all you can see is the car, yeah. but you can still see those two little lights going deep. Mm. It's like, oh, And it's, so it's again good. what we're saying where everything just has this layer of just... just Dirty. It, the, the the frame is dirty, mm. right? Like, and then when yeah. when we get to the Batmobile car sequence, where like they've locked the camera and like mounted it, hard mounted it on the actual cars themselves. Mm. Yeah. When you know that it goes past the puddle, you know they've made it look like the camera gets a little bit wet like, as well. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Which yeah. is a very small thing, but that it's not gimmicky at all. No. Right? Yeah. And even like that Batmobile car sequence is just the like it's on so hands good. down the the best just. Chase car chase I've ever seen in my life. But like, the only it, question I've insane. got is how did he get that car there with no one bloody hearing it? <laughs> nah, I'm sorry. When I'm sorry, the moment when he turned Cobblepot turns the corner, yeah, um, and he's not there, and you just hear this, <gasps> and it's just like this monster, yeah, just it's rolling so up, and the grill starts to heat up like, and yeah, get red, red hot. hot. Yeah. Oh. My <laughs> Listen to you two. <laughs> oh, dude, we're we're going hardcore. <laughs> and um, though, what I will say, um, what did we think of Selena Kyle? <gasps> Zoe Kravitz. I, I was just about to say, can yeah. we talk about Zoe Kravitz? Mm. Um, I will hands down say mm. she's probably one of my favorite Catwomen mm. ever. Mm. Really? Like Beats Anne Hathaway? 
beats Anne Hathaway. Beats Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer for me as well because Anne Halle Berry. And what? <laughs> <laughs> Who? Keep going. Sorry. Look, her cat-like style of her physique mm. and the attitude that she had of like, I know what I'm doing. Mm. It was perfect for mm. me. And in the perfect. comic book, perfect. <laughs> yes. And her in the comic books is meant to be quite sexy. Mm. You know, and all the other cat women before yeah, yeah, yeah. have been, you know, I'm like, I get where they're going with this, but mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't find it attractive. Mm-hmm. But Zoe Kravitz, I was like, good morning. <laughs> I how, think that. How are you? Like, I just the way she carried herself. Mm. Like, especially that one scene where he gets her to go to the club. Correct. And correct. she's walking and she's walking like a runway model. And I was like, mm. wow, she's nailed this role it's of a character she puts on right it's yeah. she she's she's been obviously been raised up in Gotham and yeah. she knows I mean Gotham is just again it's just this undespeakable city yeah. place um, mm. and I'm glad that they changed her story I don't like her story in the comic books mm-hmm. at all but I like how they changed it for this one mm. no, that, that is her story in the comic books that she's she, yeah she was in like, the in the um in the, year one or in no no um, not, no not in year one but in the Jeff Loeb Tim Sale um, books they did so they did Long oh, Halloween oh yeah, yeah. No, um, you are, yeah I think it gets revealed I think it's mentioned in Long Halloween but I yeah. think it actually gets properly revealed in Dark Victory okay yeah. and they, they actually did their own Catwoman run it's like oh um, did they I they, did not know they that because yeah, when she's in the Paris. story I know she you know she runs girls and she protects her girls and stuff like that so like a little yeah, bit of okay. like a, so like in The Dark Knight she ran like a prostitution thing because when Batman goes and sees Selina Kyle tied up like Wonder Woman there's all beds and everything through her place of work and stuff like that. I am drawing a blank on this. I don't remember this. Yeah, <laughs> go and watch the movie or watch the, read the book again. Yeah, yeah, there's like a row of like beds like down this hallway where she is the boss of Kyle Escort okay. is what it's called. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, her being Falcone's unknown daughter yeah, is I yeah. Love, that's, that's why I love that's it directly so much. picked out of oh, um, Jeff Loeb, and it's a mm. great story as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, I always think. See, I think. Let's take Anne Hathaway as the most recent one. I actually think she nails Selena Kyle. Mm. I think she did a really good job of that. Mm-hmm. But where I think um, Zoe Kravitz and Robin Pattinson have a a better dynamic is their on screen on screen chemistry yeah. felt more authentic. Mm. Like I just wasn't wasn't really buying that. Um, Batman and Catwoman in the Nolan yeah. Dark Knight Rises, they didn't really seem... So, yeah, Christian Bale and Anne Hathaway, they didn't really seem like they were the fully subject. into each yeah. other. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in in this one, they're... It's such it, a will-they-won't-they, they, right? Yeah. Which yeah, is their like whole thing. so much. It's just kind of like... Like, from the oh, second they meet they, each other, they're yeah, like... They're, there's there's oh, something going yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh. But, yeah. And yeah. even touching on that, the, um, the Falcone subplot in this movie is yeah, which just really brilliant. comes out of nowhere if you're not if you've watched the trailers mm. and kept up to date with it like we have mm. that whole storyline I was like oh it'll just be Falcone like a bit of a throwaway like they're mm. throwing in the villains mm. huge story plot but it, it's such it, again the whole story it's this and this is part of you know what Riddler's trying to do mm. and we can probably get to the prison sequence as well is Riddler is he, he's 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 been affected by the city in some way. We don't know how, mm. but he wants to kind of 
he feels particularly vengeful about yes. this, right? And what he wants to do is he wants to unmask the truth, to quote the promotion, right? Yeah. He wants to peel back the layer of what yeah. this filth that Gotham City is of corruption. Yeah. Um, and that's why he's been killing all of his key figures in yeah. relating to this drug bust that happened 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, I think just the incorporation of the, the Falcone and the Moroni crime families, which is yeah. very prevalent in the comics. Oh, huge. Just expert. And John Turturro just being just at an all-time high as John yeah. Turturro as a mobster boss. Just this mm. dis- disgusting, despicable, almost kind of figurehead for what Gotham is and yeah. how it's run. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Just did such a good job of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, he I, is the mayor, isn't he? That's what they well, say in the movie. That's the thing, yeah. right? And it's just, again, this whole... it's This is such a dark movie and it's like it's really like there was that points for an M-rated movie I was like fire out this is getting unnerving mm. like the the sequence in which um, even the opening sequence the right? opening sequence With and the mayor. just Paul Dano's entire performance is just it just unhinged like this this guy is mm. a is a lunatic out of control yeah. who doesn't really know how to process what he's been through thousand percent and also thinks about what he's doing is right mm. but the the sequence in which I mean the whole reason Selena is working with Batman is she wants to rescue her friend who's yeah. all of a sudden gone missing yeah and when the phone call plays mm. when they're up on that high rise and they've got one of the informants there oh my gosh like just piercing and the the sound design of Gotham the yeah. music by Giacchino it's just oh. it, everything it's just it phenomenal 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 yeah it's mm. I think the John Turturro's character working with Penguin and then Riddler kind of bridges that gap between mm. the the traditional crimes mm-hmm. and the costume criminals mm. quite well because mm. Penguin kind of is the halfway point between them yeah. he's, he's the, the Penguin man. yeah but he's still really just kind of a tech. He's kind of a mobster. Yeah. But then he's still got that character side mm. to him. And then even well, the Riddler is not super. Yeah. Like green suit with a question mark. Yeah. He's not um, Jim Carrey. Yeah. Gone. I do think the Riddler's riddles. Yeah. Were not super. I was, was going to get. Yeah, into they weren't that as well. super tricky. Mm. His Look, his ones the, where it's like you know he's got to analyze it on a computer. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Mm. But his general riddles. Yeah. Were not. Mm. Look, his but first his first couple, especially the ones that were in the cards, they were good. You, you can't have them too complicated because you, mm. you need Batman to get it straight away and then you mm. need to piece it together yourself. Mm. But the the Spanish one, the El Rata, El Lata mm-hmm. thing, and, you know, they're like, oh, and a falcon has wings as well. Maybe it's Falcon. It's like, that's a big pull from... But no, but they first think it's Penguin because it's a bird with that... Yeah, but, like, yeah. there's a lot of trying to connect the dots and then they finally go, well, a falcon has wings. Well, what does that have to do with Falcon? How did you not think of that straight away mm. if you're the best detective? And then a rat with wings is like a bat. That's what I first thought when they said that's a rat I, with wings. That's yeah, what yeah. I thought as well. So I was like, I don't know where they're going with this final riddle. But mm. then I loved how the final, final riddle all came down to the very first murder weapon mm. at the very start. I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah, that how was, yeah, t- that was very, very that clever. Mm. Very clever. But yeah, Again, some of the riddles could have been a bit better for me, personally. Mm. And look, what I loved through as we come into this kind of third act of where, you know, Falcone's kind of been dealt with, mm. turns out, long story short, he's the rat in this scenario and he was actually the informant that brought the Moroni crime family down, down. in which it's also revealed mm. that, which is quite interesting, is that, you know, Falcone actually almost kind of orchestrated the hit on Bruce Wayne's parents. Yes. Um, because there was a reporter mm. who was um, doing some underground digging, Edward Elliot. Yeah, on the uh, Gotham's and the 
Arkham's. Oh, sorry, Arkham, the, the, sorry, the Waynes and the Arkham's. The Waynes and the Arkham's, um, sorry, yeah. You know, the Waynes have a bit of a dicey history in terms of Martha being in institutions and whatnot. Yeah. Um, Thomas Wayne freaks out um, and gets this Falcone to... He's like, just put the fear of God into him, mm. which well, Falcone... no, apparently not. Takes it the other way. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, they bust the Moroni cramming, so he's, he's the rat in this story. He gets mm. taken out. The Riddler then gets brought into jail, and the Riddler... This whole time is like, I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad that we finally get to meet, mm. um, you know, Bruce Wayne. To, to interject, do you yeah, remember yeah, yeah. the bit where they talk about the fund that um, mm. the Top. Waynes set up? Yeah. Which was like a billion dollars or something like that. But then everyone wanted a that piece of helped, pie. The, everyone that helped bring down the, mm. the other side of the crime. Mm, Moroni, yeah. Got to tap into that billion dollars. Once and Moroni, Wayne was out of the picture, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's why Falcone did it himself because he wanted to play king and god. Yeah, which I think brings as a character development for Batman slash Bruce Wayne mm. to step in mm. to make a difference on the other side of that spectrum of Batman and Bruce Wayne. Correct. Because um, it's like, you know, there's, there's this realisation that Bruce has that his parents probably weren't all what it seemed to be. Yeah. They weren't all the sunshine and roses mm. that he thought he yeah. he was to them before they died. But imagine being Batman stood there going, wait, all these criminals are tapping into my parents' money? Mm. Like, free reign? To literally and run I can't, their I can't operations. Stop yeah. yeah, right? So, um, and I love the, the red herring that we get where we think Riddler has gotten Bruce um, Batman's identity. Because he keeps on saying Bruce Wayne and almost talking to Batman like you see his face as well, like he's yeah. got him right. Um, but then it's revealed. Um, he goes, "Oh, Bruce Wayne, he's the only person that we didn't get." And then Batman goes, "What do you mean we?" And Riddler goes, it, it, "It's me and you. We're the we're the same. You're you're the brawn. I'm the brains. Like we mm. both want the same thing. We want to unmask the city and the vent. Like and you're doing it through yeah. vengeance. Mm. We're and a team. Through, we're a team, right?" Yeah. Batman's like. You're a psychopath. Yeah. We're not a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What have you done? Um, and the Riddler yeah. loses it. But in the end, when the city actually gets flooded, um, and Gotham almost Brilliant. gets reset. Yeah. Um, the Riddler wins in the end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. And the last thing for me was in this final fight scene where the Riddler has amassed this big social following. Yeah. Which um, you don't find out till the very end correct. after they've uncovered some clues, mm. some more clues that he essentially is just a a, a Reddit. Admin, um, yeah. <laughs> but you love how his voice is different on yeah. the actual like. Hey guys, thank you so much. Hey guys, for, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you um, for coming. He's a massive kind of you know these followers who also want to un you know feel like Gotham's done them wrong, want to unmask yeah. them. These they've kind of paraded as Riddler thugs essentially, yeah. which I thought was a smart play on supervillains yeah. having these big big followings. Like, yeah, how right? do these dudes always yeah. get dudes? Like, um, Batman takes them all down in a spectacular sequence, which he drops from the, the building and just so Batman. Oh my god. <laughs> Freaking amazing. And the adrenaline straight into the leg as well. Oh, and you see just bang, bang, doesn't pull back. <laughs> um, and then really freaking Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. 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 James Gordon, Jeffrey, oh, we didn't even talk about Jeffrey Wright, James Gordon, brilliant. <laughs> the dude took um, a shotgun so to the chest. He goes, yeah. He goes. He's going to be a bit upset. Who are you? Like, um, and the Riddler thug goes, I'm vengeance. And it's that moment that we've talked about where Batman turns and he go- and he realizes that there's literally zero difference between me and this guy. Yeah. We both have been wronged in the past. Yeah. And we both feel like how we're bringing out our vengeance is the right way to do it. Yeah. And the opening monologue, he goes, I'm not sure I'm making a difference here. In the two years I've done it, assaults have gotten higher. Robberies yeah. are higher. Drug use is higher. It's yeah. hard for me to actually pick up and do this and the yeah. end is when he's bringing um, an injured kind of civilian and he's l- 
after he leads the people with a flare through the through the, through the water through yeah. the flood, which is brilliant. Yeah, he puts this civilian down on the helicopter, um, and she won't let go of his arm. Yeah, and he's he just like, keep putting her down, and you she, can't let she me doesn't. Go. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's it's right. What you've said, it's mm. about him recognizing he has to do more. He has to just be, be Batman. He has yeah. to, well, he can't just keep on being a symbol of fear. He can be a symbol of fear to you know those who the are dark. wrong. Yeah, but he needs to actually be a symbol of hope for Gotham, and mm. he needs to instill yeah. that in people and be that type of person for them. Yeah, just brilliant. Yeah. And the final shot as well. Sorry, I know we got to probably wrap this yeah, up, but um. <laughs> when him and Cat, Catwoman are talking and she's like, come with me, you know, go do this. You know, oh, I see your scene for. And they, yeah. they start to, you know, kind of, they go through the cemetery. It's very nice and whimsical. It's and then almost, she mentions Bloodhaven as well. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, gangster. <laughs> it's nice and whimsical. You've got a, a really soaring kind of score, almost like a, um, a sweeping kind of 1950s kind of yeah. Hollywood era kind of like score. Yeah. Yeah. And the they, end of your story. Correct. Yeah. And they, they go their separate ways and it's just Batman looking in the rearview mirror um, and you see through the rearview mirror, she drives off in the distance, and it's just him just looking forward, just eyes zoning into. He knows what he has to do now. He and it just, it just it just swells. And yeah. excellent crescendo. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. And who do you think the guy was in the cell next to the Riddler? So it was Joker. It, thousand percent. Actually, one thing I could have done without. Agreed. Liked it as though. In, as in the like, hey, let's just open it up to make sure we've got number two in the bag. So, uh, yeah, I don't think... It, yeah, it, it, it was an interesting idea because mm. obviously it's year two Batman. So, it, year two it's, Batman, it's but nice to think that he has come into contact with someone who probably isn't the Joker just yet, but he's on his yeah. way to doing it, yeah. right? But you see, that's a Joker straight from the comics. He's always in the cell next to one of these mm. super criminals. Mm. And he's kind of like egging him on, like, you can do... They love a comeback story. Like, mm. you can do this again. Mm. You just got to get out of here. I can yeah. help him get out of here. Um, it's. It, it was a little on the nose. However, though, I I did like how that tied off kind of where Riddler was as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, look, I honestly, I could keep talking about this yeah. film for so long. And it, it was, opens up the Penguin story for HBO Max yeah, as well. It was just, oh, it was just brilliant. Like honestly, and it's so funny because I even thought, how can I compare this to the Dark Knight? Is it better? How would I feel? It's just a completely I, just different category. Different. It's different, but I also just, I just can't, I can't even do that right now with, I've seen the Dark Knight, I reckon close to 20 times. Yeah, right? me too. Like I have, I have to wait, honestly, like five or so years before I can have that conversation, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah. Br- oh, Brilliant. Brilliant. Head to toe. Brilliant. Oh, Matt Reeves, yep. you, you, you delivered, mate. Have a have a beer on me, mate. Saucy, saucy. Come do to you per- think... Come to Perth. Yeah, go on. I know, I know. Do you think this movie would have been as... Do you think this movie could have been the same with Ben Affleck? No. No. Because I think... He's too old. Oh, I think just Bat- the, the Batman that he is, is just... It would have been a different story. My gut feeling is that yeah. it couldn't have been because he's not subdued enough. Correct. Yes. Correct. Correct. Like Robert Pattinson plays that that brooding. Mm. I'm like he's basically rejecting his Bruce Wayne-ness and mm. he's leaning into his Batman-ness. Well, that's why you look at that scene where he rocks up to the iceberg lounge straight yeah. away and the thugs open up the door and he's like, do you know who I am? They're like, yeah. Yeah. And then just close the door on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like he hasn't earned that yet. So yeah. I feel that's the Batman that we deserve right now, not a Batman that's yeah. I mean, solidified it, and got a problem. It also you know? makes like it would ma- it wouldn't make sense chronologically speaking considering that Batfleck was set 
you know, in a in an aging Gotham mm. with yeah. Superman and that, and then this is obviously set in year two. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's sorry. I know we were about to move on, but it was just the last thing that kind of struck sorry, my just struck really my head that this is supposed to be. This was originally supposed to be His Ben Affleck's Batman film because mm. he was going to write and direct it. Yes. Correct. And then it, yeah, and then he he dropped out. Then he, he dropped out, and Matt Reeves came on, but he was still going to play Batman. Yeah. Well, I think what happened is that he dropped out. Matt Reeves was in the middle of doing of finishing. War for Planet of the Apes, mm. yeah, okay. um, according to Matt Reeves. Um, and at this time, there was a bit of uncertainty as to whether what Ben would do. Mm. Um, but Warner Brothers wanted to wait for Matt yeah. um, to be ready because he had pitched his type of film, yeah. this detective noir Par- story. Apparently, his film was quite good as well. Ben Affleck's. Ben apparently, Affleck's. it was set in Arkham Asylum. Yeah. And it was... Ooh, I want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> it was set in Arkham Asylum and it was him going through... Uh, this, this could all just be smoke and mirrors, but mm. that's what reports that have... Maybe I've that heard. will be... Oh, wait, no. You, no anyway, let's, yeah. let's speculate about number two some other time. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, sorry. Oh, just go... Please go see it if you have the opportunity. Yeah, it is phenomenal. See it, it in the biggest screen you can. Incredibly good. Mm. Oh, incredibly good. Love it. All right. That was The Batman... And next, we are going to move on to the futures. And Andrew, you're bringing us our first one with (sighs) the Obi-Wan Kenobi. The Obi-Wan Kenobi. Let us go back to Star Wars briefly. So now this series is looking at... uh, Hello there. (laughs) Is looking at (laughs) Obi-Wan Kenobi after everything is finished with the prequels. Episode 3. Episode 3. And he is now a distant... Overlooker of young Luke Skywalker on Tatooine. Yeah. And it's looking at the Inquisitors as well, which if you're not familiar with who the Inquisitors are, they're like a small like army underneath Darth Vader that are Force-sensitive. They use lightsabers, and like, they're just a very dark... So they're either ex-Jedis... Yes. ...or they're, yeah, Force-sensitive. Yeah. They might have been, like, kids or something... Kids, yeah. ...during the siege of the Jedi yeah. temple, who now hunt Jedi. They, yeah, that's their main goal is to hunt Jedi, and the they reference that Jedi. in the trailer as correct, well. Correct, yeah, which correct. Is brilliant. Yeah. But the... Um, I love the monologue of Ewan McGregor over it, saying, mm. like, the war's done. We lost. Mm. You know, it's just like, oh, my God, yes, you did. <laughs> But obviously, it looks like he's in in hiding in in some spec. But I'm going to assume he's cut himself off from the force. That's why they can't find yeah. him. And then I think that final scene where you know, like he looks off into the distance, he must be like digging up his lightsaber again yeah. to to take the fight to the people. <laughs> Man, like this teaser trailer was just the just the perfect amount. And the music, oh, dun, 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 dun. jewel of the fates. So, I just... Sorry, I'm just reading some trivia here. Apparently, in June 2020, Ewan McGregor said that he would like the series to be called Hello There. Brilliant. I cannot believe that that's real, but that's great thoughts here. I'm interested in this because I remember... And this may be completely false. Their big thing for this series is it's a limited series, so don't expect many seasons of this. Maybe one or two, then done. Good. I like it when there is a a start and finish to the story. Mm. Um... Like, for example, the offside cyber, The Good Place, always intended for four seasons. That's it. That was all done. Perfect. Became wildly popular, and the studio allowed them to just stop at the end of four. Anyway, not the point. Um, I remember, and this may be completely wrong, but I remember at when the prequel trilogy finished that there was that George Lucas wanted to make a TV series, which at the time, Star mm. Wars TV series, now it seems normal, yeah. back then was like a wild concept. Like, why? He was going to make a TV series based around Obi-Wan Kenobi set in between the two trilogies mm. because 
if you remember, at the end of three, I think Yoda and Mace Windu say, tell Obi-Wan Kenobi, you've got to, you know, you've got to go and see, you know, a ghost of a, an old friend or something like that. And it he's like, Yoda, Yoda after, before the kids were born. Yeah. So Mace Windu wasn't there because he was arm dropped off and electrified and thrown off. Oh, yeah, of course. I forgot about that. Um, um, but he's like, you, you, yeah, yeah. you have um, extra training to do. Yeah, that's right. To and apparently, connect with someone from your past. Apparently, that yeah. was supposed to be the like the hint mm. of what this series was going to be. Yeah, and then it never eventuated. Now that may all be completely false. I may have just inserted this memory, mm. but I'm interested to see because this effectively seems to be exactly this premise. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very just, interesting. Oh, and it, like, yeah, it's just this. Like I was saying before, this teaser is just literally the perfect. L- Chicken nugget, chicken meal, yeah, <laughs> right. Like, actually, I don't want, I don't want any more. I don't want, to wa- yeah. I won't watch the next trailer. Like, yeah. this is all I need to know. Is that yeah. this? How is many nuggets do you want? I want ten. No I want more, ten, no less. That's right. <laughs> like, I know, cool. We've got the Inquisitors. The Grand Inquisitor is here as well. Yeah, bit well, of a thick head. Bit, um, not bit quite. Thick, bit shrunken down, like yeah. a bit squished. <laughs> we have Hayden Christensen returning as yes. Darth Vader. Yes, so that will apparently that's meant to be like the ultimate rematch or something like that. They're saying. You can. I can only imagine, Ross, that they have some flashback scenes oh. through like Clone Wars, where they actually oh I in their armor and stuff. In so. their cl- oh my oh. gosh, I will lose it. But oh. it was just all. You know, I, I just cannot wait because for me, the prequels. Um, I want the original trilogy. Are you to you two gentlemen? Mm. Where like I grew up with mm. the prequels, yeah. so they hold a, a very near and dear place in my heart. I I unabashedly love and adore them for yeah. all of their quirks and for all of their sand-driven dialogue and yeah. all of their <laughs> all of their pod <laughs> racing, all of the, their all of their pod racing and democracy. The prequels are, are what they are. Mm. They're trade embargoes. Oh, that's right. But they hold a dear place in our heart, and we will never let them go. I, I will still maintain the CGI mm. in the prequels was like groundbreaking. Yes, that, that really launched a 1, whole new era of hey, we can basically make <laughs> which entire would, scenes on a computer, and that is successful. Yeah, That's which a way I would of doing constantly things. bug my dad about being like, why in four, five, and six were the like ships and everything all dirty and gross, but then in the one, two, and three, they're all nice and shiny. <laughs> Because of the democracy, <laughs> yeah. man. So look, I just I cannot wait. May twenty fifth, the Republic cannot come soon enough. I think May twenty fifth is meant to be is it the fiftieth anniversary. It's one year removed from when the original Star Wars movie. Came. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it's the date when OG Star Wars came, came out, out. Yeah, in seventy seven. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah. Gee whiz. Pumped out of my mind. Yeah. Oh, so pumped. Mm. Well, more pumped than I was for the Mandalorian. <laughs> yes, yes. And we don't know how that turned out for you, Tyson. Andrew's we? giving me dirty looks. <laughs> How's Daredevil season three going? <laughs> Can't watch it because they removed it from Netflix. Yes, you can. It's on Disney Plus now. Is it on there now? Yep. Oh well, then. Well then. Went on there on the sixteenth. Well then, give and me a minute and I'll. Uh, now the nineteenth. Well, you've got three days. Are you sure? I, th- I thought I checked it yesterday. No, it's 100% on. 100%. Oh, oh, sorry, I must have checked. Punisher's it. on there. Jessica Jones is on there. Luke Cage is on there. And all right. Okay. Pissed. Fair enough. And Daredevil. I think it's Punisher. Punisher is f- fantastic. All right, great. Zach, what are you bringing for us? My a, future a comedy. is a comedy. Now, I thought it'd be nice to bring an, a kind of an irreverent 
irreverent, presumably R-rated kind of comedy because honestly, we just don't get a lot of temple Hollywood R-rated comedies anymore. So mm-hmm. I thought it might be nice to put this on your radar. This is titled "The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent." So <laughs> this is not a this is a fully fledged feature film as well. This is not a joke. The plot is as follows: A cash-strapped Nicolas Cage, yes, Nicolas Cage playing himself. <laughs> agrees to make a paid appearance at a billionaire's superfan's birthday party played by Pedro Pascal. But Nicolas Cage is really an informant for the CIA since Pedro Pascal is a drug kingpin. Um, and a side Ooh. note here is that Nicolas Cage then gets cast in a Tarantino movie. It, this film just looks insane. If he actually ends up in a Tarantino movie, this would be the most meta thing in the world. Like, it just... We all know Nicolas Cage is, you know tend to let's you know really get in knee deep into his characters you know he loves to i'm thinking of you know the opening scene of face off where he's there with the nuns in the airport and he's really dancing his his socks off and his face is contorting and he's doing this such a good movie i'm thinking of him in ghost rider 2 (laughs) oh wow gosh he was really into that one oh he you know nicholas cage you know um what what was it the burning the burning man no wicker man remake where are the bees like he he's really he's extremely one of a kind isn't he? he's one of a kind and this movie just looks to be like just something that only nicholas cage could star and pull off in you know it looks like even looking at his like caricature of him in face off and he's like mm. it's grotesque I must have it yeah. <laughs> when he's doing a wax figure of himself yeah. I'll give you $27,000 for yeah. it <laughs> it just this just looks insane I mean Pedro Pascal playing this like yeah, I mean I believe his name in the film is um, Javi, Javi. <laughs> Javier Gutierrez <laughs> um, just playing this this person <laughs> who is just enormed with Nicolas Cage and he you just have to watch the trailer because this just looks Looks okay. insane, but it looks also hilarious. It yeah, looks, it looks like very, very funny. Yeah. It reminds me, we were saying this before, it reminds me very much of um, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, which I mm. believe in America is just referred to as Apartment 23, huh. where James Vanderbeek, who played Dawson in Dawson's Creek, is playing James Vanderbeek as a guy who hasn't had a role since Dawson in Dawson's Creek. <laughs> it's, it reminds me very much of that. And James, Van- James Vanderbeek in um, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 is very funny just as like I you know he hasn't made it he was one of the biggest actors on TV for a period of time and then he did nothing afterwards and this is just kind of like hey do you know Nicolas Cage he's got that kind of like meme ability about him let's make an entire movie about him playing himself it's just and let's just lean heavily into it it looks so funny it looks insane and it's also surprisingly getting I premiered at a film festival recently I forget which one 77 on Metacritic Um, so it seems like it's quite Enjoyable. Yeah, it's just it it, it looks like it's going to be hard to dislike. You go <laughs> in there, say, I, like, I don't think you can go in there thinking like, oh, this is going to be a movie. It's yeah. like it's going to be lols and a lot of mm. good times. Which honestly, <laughs> I hope so. Again, the bigger you know conversation about this is Hollywood really hasn't figured out in a Me Too kind of era and in a cancer culture era how to make R-rated comedies yeah. again, um, which is just Hopefully this will be the platform right? for them yeah, to do yeah, it. Yeah. Like, I think start making fun of yourself. Well, I think they, they, they definitely do have a place in the grand scheme of, of, of movies and cinema in Hollywood, but I think just like any kind of genre, there's times where Hollywood doesn't know really what to do with it. Yeah. Um, and that could be 10 years, could be 15 years, but mm. I'm just I'm just looking forward to a film like that, you know? Mm. Yeah. 
Interesting. Mm. Interesting. The unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Starring Nicolas <laughs> Cage as I Nick feel Cage. His burden. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'm going to finish us off with our futures with a series that I mm. have been very much anticipating for a long time. I I'm going to stop you there. Yes. And say I was very skeptical about this because I just had no input into this and never read any of it. So I was like, eh whatever don't care couldn't care less but upon watching the trailer yep. i'm in the bag 150% for this cuz it looks awesome interesting yes um i first i've actually brought this up before many times because originally it was announced by kevin feige that this was going to be a movie yes mm. and then they changed the tack on that and turned it into a TV series. I am talking about Ms. Marvel. Mm. Not to be confused with Captain Marvel. Mm. Um, Ms. Marvel follows uh, Kamala Khan. Mm-hmm. She was the first Islamic superhero in comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sorry. As far as I'm aware, and definitely in a mainstream comic series, so she's a Marvel character, obviously. or Not necessarily, obviously. Um, I have the first two paperbacks of this series. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to get more, but, you know, money. Um, (laughs) But it is a wonderful story because it follows... um, So, the idea... Okay, Peter Parker, originally designed as the teenage superhero, the person that, that, you know, teenagers could... Um, relate to. Relate to, and mm. what would it be like if you had superpowers, superpowers and you're a teenager and all the things you have to go through as a teenager, blah, blah, blah. Ms. Marvel essentially takes the same concept but puts it into a um, female Muslim girl living in a post-9-11 America mm. and all the baggage that comes along with that. Mm. It's a lot of um, Including, like, her brother in the... I, I think they're changing it in the, in the TV series, but her brother in the comics... Um, starts becoming really, um, I guess, fundamentalist is probably the best way yeah, to describe so, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's lot in the comics. There's lots about the segregation of males and females and mm. things like that. Mm. I don't know how much they're going to touch on that, but as as a comic book, it's just it's so interesting. It's mm. so well written, and it 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 also surprisingly, and this is going to be weird because I'll touch on this in a sec. It took what I thought was a very weird and silly superpower and made it. Kind of cool. Yeah. So in the comic books, she can basically just stretch her body a little bit like Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and she can, or, or as she describes it, she can embiggen. Mm. And so she can, like, make her fist just massive outside of it and just, like, you know, have these giant club hands and things like yeah. that. Which seems a bit silly when you look at it, but then you actually read the comics and you're like, oh, no, this is cool. Like, yeah. kind of Makes get sense. it. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, she's got to hide her identity and all those kind of normal things. And But in this one, this is the one critique I have. It looks like they're changing her powers mm. ever so slightly, and I'm not sure if I'm cool with it. I'm getting a bit defensive of, like, no, don't take my toys away. Yeah. Um, in this one, it appears like she can more project, mm. l- like, her embiggened hands and things like that, not necessarily actually make her body itself bigger. Yeah. And maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm looking at it wrong... But mm. it, yeah, that's that's my one thing that I'm just not I really think, sure about at the moment. I think they're giving you like a tiny bit of the apple, but not explaining it fully. Yeah. I think you're still going to get your cake and eat it. Oh, I mean, I hope so. The- I think you will. I don't think they can take that much away from this character being who she is and what she is in the comics. Because if they change it that fundamentally, what's the point? 
I mean, they still might. The thing that yeah. the thing that that makes me unsettled is that one of the first scenes of her powers is her walking in midair on these like little glowing platforms that she yeah. produces. That's not a thing she can do. No. And so I'm just kind of like, yeah. and then seeing her hands with that same kind of glowy thing, mm. I was like, is this more of a projection mm. thing? Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm <laughs> look. We all just said that we didn't think Robert Pattinson was going to be a good Batman, and mm. look where we are now. Look where we it are. may be Sorry. great. Yeah, I, yeah, go. Interject. No, 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 I was just going to say, I did not say that about Robert Pattinson. Okay, fair enough. No, I, <laughs> love I <the> did. Man. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Carry on. <laughs> but yeah, I, like maybe it will be great. Maybe they know what they're doing. I think, if anything, they'd be given her extra powers because she's got to coexist with. Captain Marvel and who is the lady yeah. from Monica Wonder- Rambo? Monica Rambo, yeah. and they've got that whole astro power yeah. mechness. It's interesting because how does I she mean, get? So do we actually know? Sorry, you go. I'm similar to you, Tyson. Well, like I haven't read the comics. I mm. know the impact that they've had. Similar mm. vein of an impact of like a Miles Morales had. Yeah. Yes. Um, on, a, on a wider kind of audience, bringing this really kind of fundamental kind of character to the MC or to Marvel comics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I really only I haven't read the line like the comics run that you have, but mm. um, I played that uh, the Avengers game that came yeah, out, which um, really featured her heavily, and she was yeah. almost arguably the main character of, she that, was, of yeah. that story. Um. I did think it was funny that she almost has like Green Lantern-esque powers now. Mm. However, what you said there, Andrew, I imagine there'd be a a reason Mm. for as to why. And I think, you know, it's whatever reason they've reinterpreted it and as to why they wanted to reinterpret it that way remains to be seen when we get it. Um, However, though, I do think it's it's just interesting. Mm. Um, And I'm like, as I said, Tyson, I'm not too closely tied to it. So for me, I'm just more like, all right, let's just wait and see as to Mm. why this is. The original writers of the comic, are they involved in the TV series at all? I... I don't know, and this is going to sound really harsh, but given Disney's track record, mm. I doubt they are. Like, one thing that was unfortunate yeah, for me Hawkeye to find show. out, yes, was yeah. that Hawkeye borrowed very, very heavily from the art style and story of a particular series. Mm. And this is going to sound really... I Which they highly pushed on... The marketing, the posters. The marketing, yeah, the posters, but even... I've got the Marvel Unlimited on my iPad so I can read doing, all the comics. Are they doing it all there? And well, they as When that TV series came out, that was every time I went on, it was like, maybe you would like to look at the Hawkeye series, which yeah. was that series with yeah. the visions and the Yeah, and it's, it's the same, like the um, tracksuit mafia, all of that. That's It's taken from this and they do not, didn't get a one, penny for it. One not... Not a single thing. Um, I think they get a like essentially like a thanks or like you know inspired by or something like that mm. but it's it's a bit kind of like oh that's yeah, man. like I mean come on Disney like you're making all the money in the world like yeah like hand over fist like like give some credit to to creators like get him in to write an episode yeah. how hard would it be yeah oh, like it's their material anyway <laughs> yeah, or even just like produce Produ- like just something Co-executive because if, producer. <laughs> if you're going to take their story and their art style, mm. especially the artist, like that's that's, that's a pretty huge. unique art style. Yeah. To then go, we're just going to blatantly, you know, use it, mm. and then just not mm. not not pay. Basically, mm. like it's yeah, it's crazy. So man. when it yeah, comes I'm to the whole sure. comic and art and everything, that's a terrible story. If you ever want to go down that rabbit hole, what I yeah. what I will say is that um, it seems like Disney have done their DD 
uh, due diligence if that's yep. for anyone outside of Australia who's not using that slang. <laughs> um, <laughs> where it seems like the creators or the creative team behind this, like the, the writer um, and the several directors in this, all seem to be of um, like at least some sort of like kind of Pakistani or Indian kind of ethnicity, which okay. I think is obviously extremely key in telling yeah. the story. Um, and I feel like it would be doing a horrible disservice to the character. I mean, didn't. she's a, I, I believe, is she, Paki- is she a Pakistani girl or Indian? Like what's her ethnicity uh, in the comics? I am not sure actually. She's from, she's born in America. Yes. But, um, her, but her, her, her like heritage. Her parents, yeah. well, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say Pakistani because I think in the game they mention it. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, like yeah. as, as I was saying, it's good that they've done their DD and have actually yeah. made sure they're not kind of white, you know, whitewashing this or anything like that. Yeah, you know? and there was one white person. Creator and creator and head writer <laughs> yeah. is you know uh, a female as well. Mm. Um, I'm just looking. At, I can't actually see where she's from. Actually, now I say this, um, but you know. It's yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited about this Pakistani um, American. Thank you, everybody. I'll take my paycheck. <laughs> good on you. Um, uh, yeah, I am interested in this. Originally, I was like, why aren't you making this a movie? Mm. I'm now kind of like you know a TV series. You get to tell more of a long form story. Mm. I'm just hoping that people. I'm hoping that they watch it because it's yeah. She is different mm. to your regular superheroes. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. And I just hope that. She's successful. I also think that the um, the actor who's playing her, who's oh She's goodness, got, it's like, just no credits. I checked yeah, this out is, before. This is yeah. her first, as far as I can tell, this is her like first main gig. Um, mm. Iman Bellani. Mm. The only two credits she's got is this and the Marvels. The Marvels, which yeah. is coming out next year. Yeah. What I do like the look of is that this is six episodes long. That's good. So that's it, better. Uh, look, you know, I could be wrong, and they might be stretching this a little bit too thin. However. I feel like six episodes is that's a good length. You that's know? that's enough. Yeah. Mm. You don't want too many because then you know they stretch out the story and they stretching the taffy a bit. One you could condense <laughs> it to hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay, Miss Marvel, cop that. I think I think we're done now, boys. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. So um, another thing a- about the Batman. <laughs> Is just excellent. Underneath the bridge, that Nirvana song coming through. Oh so my intense, gosh! Man. We got a go, man. And he's looking at the kid, yeah. and he knows that the kid's going through what he went through. Yeah. He's just oh my yeah. god! Oh, oh gosh! <laughs> okay, you but seriously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was the episode we talked this episode about. Good morning, Vietnam, Starship Troopers, and Predestination. Yes. We then gave our long and long-winded uh, review of the Batman. And then followed by Obi-Wan Kenobi, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and Ms. Marvel, all coming out relatively soon Soon. this year. So, yes, um, hit us up on, I don't know, are we still on Twitter? Dude. Apparently, I don't know. (laughs) Zach is our social media expert, Ah, by default, because he's the youngest. Um, (laughs) So, at SRTW Podcast. You can also, uh, if you want to buy a t-shirt or a mug or a sticker, you can head to bit.ly slash SRTW shop. Do we get any... I mean, I'll wait for someone to buy something yeah. first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering because I like, I mean, this is no secret. I mean, we're it's not me. paid. So by, if, we're if not paid by anyone yeah. like to do this. We yeah. just do this just because of fun. Yeah, sorry. It, it's me. So if <laughs> if, if I the, if oh, someone yeah. you buys buy something, something and see if you get like a dollar back, <laughs> I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> it's the rebate. It won't. It won't be much. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> 
Um, but yes, um, thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Who knows what we'll be talking about then? But um, we'll see you next time on Screen Review Time Warp. I'm Tyson. I'm Vengeance. <laughs> and I'm Zach. <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Rachel. Rachel. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.